This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. If you'll be so kind as to open your Bibles with me today, I'm going to be speaking for uh, an abbreviated time in this service because we have the graduation. Next service, I will go into great detail on what I'm about to teach you. I'm going to try to rush through this in the first service. But there's great content here. You'll need your Bibles. You'll need your physical Bibles. Uh, There's a lot of scripture today. We're mainly going to read the Bible, but I'm going to give a little bit of an exposition on it. And uh, this is important for you and I as believers. Many Christians today do not understand what I'm going to teach you today. And most people that go to church have no idea what we're talking about. They go to church and have no idea why they go to church. Uh, They may have had an encounter with Jesus at a camp or something, but they have never made the connection of why it is so important. And today, we're going to be talking about the Abrahamic covenant or Abraham's covenant. And this is why what we do is so important. And if you open your Bible to the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, we're going to begin there today. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, starting verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee or make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I shall bless them that bless thee and I shall curse him that curses thee. And in you or in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, this is an incredible promise. This is, of course, the, 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 the beginning of Uh, God dealing with a man named Abraham, we see a pattern and a principle that we can study for ourselves in the scriptures here, and it's, uh, I think it's very, very, very important uh, that we grasp what he's about to say. In chapter 14, we read the story of, uh, and we, we find out that several kings have come to attack the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and these kings overthrow the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and as they do, they take Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his family into captivity with all their goods, all their cattle, and everything that they have. Someone escapes and comes and tells Abram what has happened, and Abram gathers gathers 318 men trained in his own household. That's kind of what we're doing here today. We're training the men of our household. I'm looking for 318 solid men who will not ever back out, but will always press in. That's what I'm looking for, okay? But uh, Abraham gathers 318 men of his own household, and they go after the kings that have taken his nephew, and he goes after their armies. Amazing, it's, it's amazing to me that this unified group of men, these trained men, were strong enough to recapture all that had been taken and win the battle against four kings, Genesis 14, 21 goes on to say this, and the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for thyselves. And listen to what Abram says. I I wish we had more men like this in the nation of Zimbabwe. We have many men who have been taken captive by the kings of Sodom. Says, Abram said this, give me, or the king of Sodom says, give me the persons and take all the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Boy, let me tell you something. 
We have a lot of men today that can't say God made them rich. They can only say they're conniving, they're, they're, they're trickery, they're lies, they're cheating, they're thieving, they're, 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 their wicked plans made them rich, or some government official made them rich, or some bribery made them rich, but they can't say God made them rich. But God is still in the business of finding men that he can enrich. Abraham made the commitment to God. He says, I won't even take a shoe latchet from a man's shoes, lest he would say that, I'm, that, that that man made me rich. Immediately after this commitment, though, now listen, right after this commitment, God makes a covenant with Abraham. Listen to what it says in Genesis 15. Jump there. You need to read this. It says in chapter 15, verse 1 through 18, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth from mine own loins, thy own bowels, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and he said, now look toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take for me a heifer of three years, and a she-goat of three years, and a ram of three years, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took him all these, and he divided them in the midst, and he laid each piece against one another. But the birds he divided not. And when the fowls came upon, down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be stronger in the land that is not theirs. Shall be a, shall, excuse me. Shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall go in to affliction for four hundred years. This is four hundred years. This, this is four hundred years before they go into bondage. And God's prophesying. He says, "You're going to go into bondage in Egypt for four hundred years." He's already telling them what's going to happen. He says, "For four hundred years, you'll be under affliction in Egypt." <clears throat> you talk about prophecy. You talk about true prophecy. This is true prophecy. Not what you want to hear, but guess what? God says, I have a plan for you. And he says, also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge. And afterward, they shall come out with great substance. And you shall go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. And for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it shall come to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates. You have to understand that this is a covenant. We believe that that burning, that burning uh, lamps was really Jesus. He was the word of God. He's the light of God. And he, he cut the covenant with Abram. Abraham did his part. He laid out all the, 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 uh, the uh, sacrifice, but God cut the covenant. Abram was in a deep sleep. Then we see in Genesis chapter 17, it says, And when Abram was 90 years old, and nine, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee. 
and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him and said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations I have made thee. You see, here's what I want you to understand. God established a blood covenant with Abram in chapter 15. Even today, the strongest covenant between peoples or nations or even many business settings is a blood covenant. You know, I've been with men, I've actually seen this, where they do these documents, they sign, they do business, and then they seal it with their signature, but then they take a prick of blood and they seal it with their fingerprint in blood. I'm not sure I want to do that because these are binding contracts. Now we know that this has been corrupted and especially in our nation this has been corrupted where we have politicians that are sacrificing babies, where we have people that are sacrificing children and we know this to be true and we're all afraid to talk about it. That's why our nation is cursed. That's why there can be no blessing here. You cannot offer to Satan in blood and expect blessing from heaven. So it's important that we understand what's going on here. Abraham knew exactly what was going on. This was a covenant not in the blood of humans, but in the blood of bulls and goats. But it was a covenant nonetheless with God. When someone makes a blood covenant, it literally means that they have, that what they have is yours and what you have is theirs, even to your life if the other one has need of it. And that's why so many of the people that make blood covenants in this country die sudden deaths, die tragic deaths, their children die tragically because blood is never satisfied. That's why they die young, they die sick, they die broken. But God said to Abraham was, as for me and my, as for me, listen to what God says. Behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations I have made thee. Abram simply means exalted father. If you study Abram's life, Abram only thought of himself. He was like so many men today. They only think of themselves. They think in terms of what they can get, what they can have. With. And even their wives are just an extension of themselves. Their children are an extension of themselves. Their toys are an extension of themselves. Immature men, men that only exalt themselves. It's all about what they look like, what they feel like. But God has men on a journey today to move from Abram to Abraham to become father of a great multitude, to become somebody who will father others who don't live for themselves but live for someone else. What God was saying is, is, I've already done this and you are a father of many nations. Boy, I'll tell you what, when you study his life, and I wish I could go into detail, you can see what God did in this man's life. And he says, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed forever. Man, let me tell you something. What many Christians don't understand is that you and I are heirs of the seed of promise. The seed was promised to Abraham. Jesus was the seed. 
Many Christians get tricked up and tripped up today in the law. They say, ooh, the law. We have to obey every bit of the law. No, the law was never for us. We've never been under the law. The law was for the Jews. That was a chosen group of people, and God brought Moses to bring the law for a Jewish nation. It's never touched us. We've always been Gentiles. We've always been outside of the covenant of Israel. But we were grafted in to receive the seed of promise through Abraham, through Jesus Christ. He is the seed. So here's what I want you to notice. Notice what God said. He says, I've established my covenant between me and thee. In other words, the covenant is standing between me and you. If anyone gets to me or to you, they're gonna have to deal with this covenant. That's what God's saying. If I'm going to get to you, Abraham, it'll have to come through this covenant. If you're gonna get to me, you're gonna have to come through this covenant. In other words, the covenant will regulate how I will deal with you and how you'll deal with me. So what God is doing is establishing a legal entry for himself into the earth. And he's giving Abraham access to heaven, access to himself. Through the covenant, Abraham can draw help from God, draw wisdom from God, and draw the anointing from God for earth and in earth so that the work of the devil could be destroyed in his life. God then tells Abraham to circumcise himself as a seal of the righteousness of faith that he had. Romans 4.11 says it this way, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet, which he had yet, being uncircumcised, See, he had the faith before he was circumcised. He'd already obtained the promise. He'd already obtained the covenant. He says, now I want you to have as a seal, sign it off with circumcision. That he might be the father of all of them that believe. Notice he says, all of them that believe. Do you know what the nations are? You and me. Those that believe were the nations. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness may be imputed to them also. See, by this covenant, God gave legal entry into the earth through Abraham. God obtained that. Each covenant that God made throughout the Bible and each covenant that God made with Abraham got stronger and stronger. He kept reinforcing it. God had to find men throughout the Bible that he could make covenant with, men that would pro prophesy things, men that would say things that he could act on in the earth because the agency to work in the earth was man, not God. Man gave up his right and yielded it to Satan. Satan became the God of this world. God had to get re-entry in here legally. He just couldn't come and take over. Everybody thinks God can do whatever he wants to do. No, God is a God of legality, but God is smarter than the devil. But he said, hey, I'm going to do this through covenant. God wanted to remove the God of this world from dominion in the earth. He needed legal entry through man in order to destroy the works of the devil that were running rampant on the earth. In Genesis 18, verses one and two, and it says, and the Lord appeared unto them in the plains of Mamre, and he sat at the tent in the heat of the day, and he lifted his eyes, and he looked. Lo, there were men that stood by him, and he, and he, and he saw them, and he ran to meet them from the tent door, and he bowed himself to the ground. Now, we, we know that two of these men were angels, but we uh, no, evidently that one of them was the Lord himself. It was probably a, an incarnation of Jesus Christ. And this is God's avenue of entry into the earth. 
God had come down and he, he couldn't just destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He had to talk to Abraham about it. And, and if, if, I, if I had time, I'd go through this and I'll do it in the second service. But we understand that Abram makes a, a plea with God. He says, listen, he says, I know that my, 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 my nephew Lot is in, 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 in Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, he says, don't destroy it. He says, would you not destroy it for 50? God says, and, and, and he says, and, and now you have to understand, because of covenant, he can approach God. He says, will you not destroy him for, for 50 righteous? He says, or are you a God? He says, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? See, God's still looking for a few righteous men. God's still looking for some righteous men that'll stand in the gap on behalf of wickedness. Will you destroy the nation because of the, the wicked? Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's why there has to be a rapture. Did you know that? There has to be a taking away before God destroys everything. Because God cannot destroy the righteous with the wicked. But God's best plan is not to rapture us. God's best plan is for us to redeem mankind, to be rec ministers of reconciliation. So here Abraham, <laughs> he, 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 he did pretty good at 50, so he says, how about 40? You know, you know, now we know he's Jewish. How about 30? How about 20? He finally gets down to 10. He says, for 10 righteous. God says, for, even for 10 righteous, he says, I will not destroy the land. Abraham thinks he's got a deal, only to find out he doesn't. We see the angels go in. They rescue Lot. They said, whatever you do, don't turn back. Lot, Lot is a partaker of this covenant of, of, of Abraham's. Even Lot gets to talk to these angels and say, hey, listen, I don't want to go to the mountain. Would you just let me go to this little city? And because of Lot not going to the mountain, this city that was about to be destroyed, God saves the city because of a righteous man. God may have you where you are as a righteous man to save your city. If you are righteous, if you'll stand for God, if God can truly use you. A righteous man had power with God. There's an authority that lies with righteous men. That's why our prayers are so important. Remember back in the 18th chapter, verse 25, where Abraham said that it'd be far from me to slay the righteous to the wicked, with the wicked. Shalt thou Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? We can see the authority of righteousness, which is by faith. Galatians 3.6 says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The blood covenant meant that what was God's was Abraham's and what was Abraham's was God, even to their lives if necessary. I've got to quit. Let me just suffice to say that the covenant got deeper. Abraham says, I've got to see whether or not, or God says, I've got to see whether or not Abraham can keep this covenant. He knew that the devil would come and test the covenant. Covenants are always two-way. Although God cut the covenant, he still needed the man in the earth. It's like the man who is a street person, used to be a successful businessman, but he sees in the newspaper that there's a bid going out, a tender, bidding around $10 million to build a building in town. 
He says, I used to be a builder. He says, I'm gonna go and bid for that tender. He goes out and he, he bids not 10 million, but two million. He, gets, he wins the bid. But those that grant him the tender, except in Zimbabwe, but in most places in the world, those that granted the tender go and see if he has the capacity to actually do what he says he can do. We don't do that in Zimbabwe. Here, anybody can get a tender. You don't even have to have a business anymore. You just do whatever you want to, and the bill goes to the taxpayer or, the, or wherever the bill goes, but, or the job doesn't get done. Somebody just eats the, 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 the meat. We, we have no rules left anymore. It's a shame. It's a travesty. Meanwhile, back to the story. So this guy gets tested. They say, can he perform? Does he have the, does he have the wherewithal? Does he have the, the plant and the equipment? Does he have the ability to do this? Does he, does he even have the, 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 the financial means? Is it even possible to build this building for $2 million? And they find him wanting. And so they say that this contract, this, the, although he won the tender, it's null and void because it's incapable of being carried out. Same way with Abraham. So God turns to Abraham and says, I need you to do something. He says, take thy son, thine only begotten son, and go to a place that I'll show you. And he goes to Mount Moriah and he says, there I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham doesn't even blink an eye. Somehow Abraham says, I, I have a covenant with God. I trust God. We see later on in the book of Hebrews that he believed that God could raise him from the dead. Amen. He takes this little boy, and he, teenager, and he says, come on, son, we're going to go. And he takes off and his son asks him, he says, Dad, I see you have the knife and the wood and the fire, but where, where's the sacrifice? Now listen, listen, because Abraham says the most prophetic thing, I think, in the Bible. He says, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. The Lord will provide himself a lamb. And I'm going to tell you, what he was talking about was Jesus. He says, he says, I'm in covenant with God. He says, if God required me of this of me, I know that he can either resurrect you from the dead, but I know this, God will provide himself as a lamb. And you know what that did? That gave legal entry for Jesus to come into the world to save yours and my soul, to save us from our sins. Legal entry for us to be born again. Legal entry through one man's obedience by faith. And here's what we've done. We've milked down, we've watered down the gospel so much that we just think that Jesus did it all. No, God still requires things of men. Amen. Not that we're saved by faith. Not, not, without, not, excuse me, not that we're saved by our works. But let me tell you something. When we're in covenant with God, he has a demand on our lives. We can't just live however we want to. We live according to a covenant. And it has ramifications on the lives of others. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.